Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to talk about birth trauma. Now, here is a fact, a figure for you that has not really budged in the last 20 years. So I found a study from 2003 that stated that one out of three parents, birthing parents, experienced birth trauma. So I brought this up with Kate and I said, did these numbers improve? And she said, no. So these are bonkers. These are crazy numbers. So we're going to talk about birth trauma. We're going to define what that means, look at symptoms and signs if someone is suffering from birth trauma and how this differs from PMADS, perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And of course, we're going to talk about ways to start to recover from birth trauma. And if you had birth trauma with one pregnancy, how to prepare for a subsequent birth should you decide you want more children. So to have this conversation, I have Kate McReynolds. She is a licensed mental health counselor and mom of two. She is perinatal mental health certified, specializing in therapy for prenatal and postpartum support, birth trauma, PMADS, pregnancy loss, and infertility. And she is down to earth and gives fantastic support. As she was talking and just so approachable, I thought to myself, like, I would absolutely go see her if I needed the support because I really like how open she is with this conversation. And I do ask her about her own birth since she's really open and sharing from her own birth trauma. So I think this is going to be a really important conversation for you to hear, especially if you've gone through this or if you're preparing to give birth so that you can look for the support or understand what support is available should you need it. Now, before we get to my conversation with Kate, just want to talk about some of the things going on at PYC. So yeah, I'll be honest, nothing groundbreaking new is going on. We're still offering our classes online seven days a week. We re-release the class several times during the day. So if you can't make one time, you can grab it another time. And then we have right now, I believe we have in-person classes six days a week at the studio. We've got Baby and Me and Prenatal 
and postnatal, all our workshops, and about 90% of our in-studio workshops are available on demand. I'm hoping to get that to 100% pretty soon. So you can check that out, take the class either in-studio in New York or on your own timetable at home, however you need to do that. Maybe it's taking an hour here, an hour there. The workshops classes are there for you. Now we also, another part of what we offer at PYC is our teacher training, and we're starting to wrap up our teacher training for this. I always think of a year because I have kids, a, a September to June. So we're starting to wrap up kind of our school year worth of teacher trainings. We start our March, April training really soon. And then we have an online postnatal training that we do once a year. That's at the end of May. And then we start back up in September with in-studio, and then we go online for the next two. So that would be November, December, January, February, and back in studio March, April. So if you want to deepen your knowledge of how to support the perinatal community and you're digging the PYC methodology, check all this out on our website. And then the last thing I want to say is if I haven't covered a topic that that is really interesting to you, or maybe you have a speaker that you think would fit PYC really well, let me know. If it's a speaker, they can fill out our application. And if it's an idea that you want me to dig around and find a speaker for, let me know. You can reach me directly at deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. All right, let's take a super quick break. When we get back, please enjoy my conversation with Kate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we're going down a, a pretty, I don't want to say dark, but um, for some people, maybe emotional <laughs> rabbit hole and talk about birth trauma. Yeah. So I guess we should just kind of buckle up and, and jump in. So first of all, thank you for being here. I think this is such an important topic. So I'm really excited to hear a little bit about your thoughts. But I guess before we dive totally in, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and what led you to specializing in perinatal mental health. Sure. Um, I am a wife. I am a mom of two toddlers. I'm very tired. <laughs> um, I am a therapist in Florida. Um, I've, I've worked at a lot of different, you know, clinical mental health settings and I started my private counseling practice right before I got pregnant with my first, which was very interesting timing. Um, so I kind of, you know, was building a business and building my own parenthood, I guess, at the same time. Um, and I, I was one of the first in my social group to have a baby. So I, I feel like I didn't really have a lot of exposure to the realities of pregnancy and motherhood. Um, and once I was in it, it was not what I thought it would be. Mm. I had a lot of things happen with my own birth experience that were very difficult for me to cope with. Um, I had an unplanned C-section and I really struggled with processing all of that. 
So I, I sought out my own therapist, um, you know, just to help me process through my birth experience. And I kind of learned from her that there's this entire community dedicated to perinatal and maternal mental health. And I had just been doing, you know, general mental health in my practice up until that point. And it's, you know, as, as cheesy as it sounds, it's kind of like a light bulb went off in that moment. And I was like, this is it. This is what I really care about. This is what gets me excited to go to work. I want to be there for the moms in the way that I wanted someone to be there for me. Mm. Um, so I got certified and, you know, started specializing and, you know, narrowed down my niche for who I was marketing to. Um, I started a support group for moms online. That was one of the first things I did and that kind of, that took off. And so that was kind of like a confirmation that, you know, this was it for me. This is what I wanted to be doing. Do you mind if I dig a little deeper into that? And you can always say no. (laughs) So therapists love having that question asked. (laughs) We don't, it doesn't happen for us very often. So we're going to talk about birth trauma. Do you feel like having an unplanned cesarean gave you some insight to, I don't know if I want to label it birth trauma, you can label it or not, but that's something that you can then relate to your clients. Then do I use my own experience yeah. to relate to them yeah. in a session? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I mean, there's this whole concept of, you know, when you're in a therapy session with someone, obviously it's all about them. You're not there for yourself or to talk about your own stuff. But this is one of those, you know, client populations where, in my opinion, it can, I'm not going to say it's going to do harm to not share your own personal stuff with your clients, but it can really be helpful to help, you know, help them realize that they are not alone, that this is not something that's wrong or with them or that they're crazy for going through this. And to have someone to say, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me explain why. I know exactly how this feels. Let me explain why. And even if you're not really offering tangible tools or therapeutic techniques in that moment, sometimes that solidarity is enough. So absolutely, I do that. So I'm going to keep going a little bit deeper in this. You can tell me to stop. Um, so I know you had a second child. And so I guess I'm speaking, I'll give a little idea of where this is coming from. So my first birth was much longer than I thought. Now it wasn't necessarily birth trauma because I felt incredibly supported, but I feel like I was slightly traumatized by how long it was and more of the impact on it had on my body and my postpartum, like the healing process, because it was so long. And then when I got pregnant with my second, I remember talking to my midwife about being pretty fearful that I would have a repeat of the first. So she, she and I really processed that. Did you, how did, did you like, what's the best words? Like treat yourself getting ready for your second one. I, does that make any sense that I'm asking? I, I mean, I definitely experienced that same fear when I got pregnant the second time I was like, okay, here we go again. I I do not want that to happen to me a second time. Um, so like, did I treat myself? No, but did I, you know, support myself? Absolutely. I, you know, made changes to my birth team. I, you know, spoke with a bunch of different, um, OBGYNs to find a new person to work with me. I hired a different doula. I did a lot of, um, the, 
you know, the prep work, like childbirth courses and the physical prep that I didn't do the first time around. Not to say that, you know, me not doing that the first time is what caused my birth trauma, but doing it the second time helped me feel less afraid going back into that scenario. Thank you for letting me, it totally does. And I guess the word, the reason I use the word treat is like when I have to talk myself through something, I call it like dueling myself because I used to be a doula. So I was just trying to find a word that was equivalent, but, um, but I'm definitely considered doing my own trauma therapy on myself, but I know that that's, you know, that's not really what I want to do. So I'm going to seek that out from someone who's not myself. Well, I, I really appreciate you opening up about your own birth trauma because I, then I think it also helps others see that. It ha- it is it's common. That's something we'll talk about. I did some research about how crazy the numbers are, but wow. All right, so let's circle back away from you. I won't. I'll take the spotlight off your birth. It's and fine. See- <laughs> Listen, it's fine. I am an open book. It's good. So obviously, we're talking about birth trauma. So how would you define birth trauma? I would say it is any event related to pregnancy, birth, or the postpartum period that has a distressing impact on the people involved. Um, You know, a lot of times we think about the physical events of pregnancy and birth as being traumatic. So sometimes it is related to those things, like it's related to the health and the safety of the parents and or the baby. Sometimes it's related to the treatment or the care that was provided Mm -hmm. or not provided. It could be something that was you know, a comment that was made or an interaction between people. And it might not necessarily be directly related to the physiology of birth itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those distressing impacts could present physically, emotionally, behaviorally, um, you know, cognitively in your thought process. And it can make it extremely difficult for the person to continue functioning in their day-to-day life afterwards. I had a student that came back to postnatal and she, she kind of confided and broke down into tears that in what made you think of this is something you had said. It's something, something, so, something that someone said to her during her birth. And I think it was something similar to this can't be that bad. You'll be like, I guess she was talking about her contractions were really painful. And mm-hmm. someone said like, they're really not that bad. You'll be okay. And she mm-hmm. said that made her feel really unseen and unsupported and invalidated. And while her birth, one might look at it from the outside and be like, everything was fine. You had the birth that you wanted. You wanted this type and this kind of support and you had that. And what she said is nobody was understanding that she felt really belittled and that really affected her. And so I like that you highlighted that it doesn't have to be a huge event for someone to feel trauma from their birth. Right. What makes birth trauma birth trauma is not always an event that happens, but how your brain processes the information related to that event. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, you know, in feeling completely isolated, like, you know, fear, terror, helplessness, even if you had a positive outcome, even if everything turned out to be okay, it's that emotional and that cognitive process of how your nervous system is you know, working through and storing all of that information in your brain that can create the trauma response. Yeah. 
Yeah. So thank you for defining that. Cause I think some people can walk away thinking, but you're right. Everything turned out fine. Why am I still feeling however they're feeling? So we want to support that. So I was doing some research because I'm a nerd and I found one study from 20 years ago. And this is really fascinating. So in 2003, the study showed a third of mothers who experienced, uh, experienced what they would call a traumatic delivery. How, or do we know if these numbers have shifted? And if so, how much? And what do you think might have attributed to them getting better or maybe worse? Do you think they've gotten worse? I do not think that they have gotten better. Um, I think it's still accurate to say that one in three mothers would report experiencing trauma to some degree with their their birth. Um that's a huge I, number. That is insane. It really is. And especially in the past three years since COVID hit and, you know, pregnant people have been, you know, going through a lot of these experiences alone and not having their support team, their birth team, their birth partner, you know, present physically with them. That is really contributing to what I mentioned before, that fear, terror, helplessness, that aloneness. Um, and I, I want to say it's around maybe 9% of moms will develop postpartum PTSD mm. afterwards. So let's talk about some of those signs and symptoms about PTSD as well as birth trauma, because someone might not realize that they're having, they're suffering from birth trauma mm-hmm. because they may just think, oh, this is just, you know, the postpartum blues or the baby blues or just anxiety. Okay. So you share, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so we can experience birth trauma and not necessarily like meet the criteria for a PTSD diagnosis. I just Mm -hmm. want to put that out there. So we might have some of the symptoms, but they might not be, um, you know, intense enough in terms of severity or long enough in terms of the duration to be considered PTSD, but they are still very, very difficult to cope with. Um, and, you know, those symptoms, I think I mentioned earlier, they can present in a couple different ways, like emotionally, physically. So I can go through those. Yes, please. Um, emotionally, we might experience very intense anger when we think about our birth, um, fear, as you mentioned before, a sense of like powerlessness or helplessness, um, sometimes grief, like grieving the loss of the, the birth experience that you wanted can be really prevalent. Um, guilt and shame might come up emotionally when we are thinking about our birth or when we're reminded of it. Um, and you know, it can lead to this thought process of, you know, it's my fault. I should have known better. I should have done this. You know, I'm to blame. I'm a bad mother. Um, and, and that can create some cognitive impacts as well. So those, you know, cognitive um, or negative cognitions, which would be those negative beliefs about ourselves that were created because of the trauma. Like I mentioned, it's my fault or I'm a bad mother. Um, you know, my body failed me is another really big one that I see. Um, with, with our thoughts, some other things that could happen might be intrusive thoughts, which are more like detailed images about the experience, maybe randomly popping into our train of thought and feeling really distressing. We might have irrational thoughts, which are, um, you know, thoughts that aren't really based fully in reality. So maybe we have, you know, some kind of physical sensation postpartum in our body and our, our brain starts catastrophizing and going to the worst case scenario, what that sensation is, is or what's causing it, what it's from. 
We might have difficulty concentrating. We might have, you know, problems with our memory. Physically and, and socially, too, um, you know, in our bodies, we might experience sleep disturbance. It might be hard to fall asleep, to stay asleep. We might have muscle tension, aches and pains, um, really somatic experiences like sweating, fatigue, racing heart, those kinds of things. And socially, in terms of our, you know, our, our personal interactions, we might be very emotionally reactive we might be withdrawn or isolated. Um, we might avoid anything or anyone related to the birth experience. Uh, you know, we might be on edge, aggressive, or, you know, really hypervigilant in a lot of situations as well. That's fantastic. That way people can start to hear that and see maybe they, they relate to that. So how different is this presenting from just PMADS? Because some of those things, someone might just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling fearful of this, but how do they recognize when they've crossed the line over just common, I don't want to use the word common necessarily, but what, what might be typical postpartum yeah. issues? Well, there, I mean, there are several different PMADs. We have perinatal depression, perinatal anxiety, um, perinatal OCD, bipolar disorder, psychosis. And so postpartum PTSD is considered a PMAD as well. And they each have their own, you know, list, for lack of a better word, of these specific symptoms, like mm -hmm. what I just mentioned for trauma. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, we've all heard about the baby blues, which is, you know, the first couple weeks postpartum. It, it looks and feels and it, you know, it looks like depression, but it usually balances out around that two to three week mark. When it becomes a PMAD, when it becomes a more severe clinical issue, it really has to do with um, the severity of the symptoms. Are they impairing my ability to function throughout the day to care for myself, to care for my baby? Are they, you know, interfering with my relationships, with my job, with my school? So we look at the severity. We look at the duration also. So when did the symptoms start and how long are they lasting? Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to PMADs, these things can onset anytime during pregnancy and, you know, up through the whole first year postpartum, whereas something like the baby blues is going to be immediately after birth and it's only going to last for like two to three weeks, if that makes sense. That so makes we really sense. look at those three things, like the timing and the onset, the duration and the severity. That makes a lot of sense. So who's most at risk for birth trauma and what are some of the factors that may make birth trauma more likely? Honestly, I don't say this to scare people, but just to be realistic, anyone can be impacted by birth trauma. Mm -hmm. There isn't necessarily a type of person or a list of things that will automatically lead to trauma because you know, trauma is in the eye of the beholder. It's a very subjective experience. Um, you know, th there's definitely a correlation, though, between unnecessary medical interventions and birth trauma. Um, you know, but I also know a lot of moms who had home births with minimal to no interventions, and they still identify parts of their birth as traumatic, you know. Um I, I will say there are some experiences that most people report as traumatic. So when these things happen, a trauma response is very likely, but it's not guaranteed, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, Can you so be specific? Like some, yeah, thanks. Yeah, like some examples. Yeah. Um, sure. Like 
Like I mentioned, unplanned interventions during labor, um, unplanned C-section, hysterectomy, postpartum hemorrhage, any kind of vaginal or anal tearing, NICU admissions, delayed skin to skin, obviously death is a big one. Um, so a lot of people will report these things as traumatic, but not everyone. And it's not like if you go through one of these experiences that trauma is guaranteed. If someone already suffers from anxiety and depression, do you think they're at a higher risk of birth trauma? I would say that they are at a higher risk for developing a PMAD, not necessarily for experiencing some event during birth, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, I will say though, I mean, I think you asked like who, who might be more at risk for birth trauma. Yeah. And while it, it can impact anyone, I do also want to point out, because this is very important, that Black and Asian mothers are, I want to say, two to three times more likely to experience a birth-related trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's not because of anything that has to do with them. It's because of racism, medical neglect, and violence, like the the overall lack of support and lack of concern that providers have for the health and safety of those mothers and their babies. I think, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think it was like in New York city, I think it was like nine, uh, brown and black women were like nine times more likely to suffer from birth trauma. And I think there was something else like was it something within the hospital system than their white counterpart, which was staggering yeah. numbers. It was shocking and, and yeah, it's really not okay. Heartbreaking. But yeah, like a history of, of any kind of mental health issue isn't necessarily going to make a traumatic experience more likely. But if you do have a traumatic experience, it would make your recovery more um, prone to those PMAD symptoms that I mentioned. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about some of the effects, the lasting effects of birth trauma. We will be right back. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. All right, we are back. So <laughs> what a cheerful conversation we're having. So <laughs> we are going to turn the corner and talk about working through this. I promise listeners, we're not just, we're not just going to wallow in the mud. I promise. All right. So what are some of the lasting effects of birth trauma? So I mentioned some of those specific symptoms earlier, um, like the physical, the emotional, the, you know, social things that might happen. So I think when when birth trauma is not addressed, when it's not processed in in therapy, for example, those symptoms can become severe enough to impair our ability to function in a lot of different areas of life. Um, our personal relationships, um, intimacy with our partner, it can impact family planning and parenting, future pregnancies. You know, it can impact our ability to, you know, perform and function and, you know, our occupations, our academics. 
I think that trauma can, you know, our worldview is just so significantly impacted by trauma. And so when that is left untouched, you know, the way that we show up in the world is going to be impacted too. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, what I see a lot of in my work with birth trauma is, or like a couple themes. I see this overwhelming difficulty to cope with fear related to future pregnancies and births, fear related to engaging in sexual intimacy again, um, you know, negative changes to the partner and the family dynamics, and then negative changes to our personal identity as well. So when you see these themes come up, how do you, what kind of support would you offer? Because I'm sure there's some listeners that are hearing that and be like, yes, I fall into that theme. That is me. So what would you say to that person? Therapy. Okay. Therapy. Um, I, I know that that is a very privileged thing to say. I want to acknowledge that. Um, but being able to work through this with a with a trauma informed professional, I think, is one of the most important places to start. Um, I do want to share a resource for that, if that's okay. Yes, please, please. We'll, um, we'll just link to kind of make notes. this, yeah, make this more accessible. Um, Postpartum Support International is a fantastic organization. Um, PSI is what we call them. And they have a lot of resources online for education about PMADs, birth trauma. They have support groups that are available for a lot of specific topics, and they do have one specific to birth trauma. Um, they have helplines. They have text lines. They have resources for dads and birthing partners. Um, they also have a, a provider directory where you can look up people in your area, not necessarily just therapists, but doulas, midwives, um, maybe even yoga teachers who have a training or certification in perinatal mental health so that, you know, somebody might feel more comfortable working with them moving forward. Um, and I, I want to say it's postpartum.net is there their website. Okay. We'll make sure that is in the show notes because it's really important. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep going on a little bit more in the recovery, but I know one thing that has come up in, in class, <laughs> the students talk a lot. And so I get to hear a lot of their, a lot of their thoughts yeah. is that one student was talking about surprise triggers that she, I think she said it was like a smell of something that kind of brought her back to mm -hmm. the birth trauma. And I thought that was really, really interesting. I hadn't, I guess I, in my mind, I thought it'd be like someone saying something or, or a memory, but the fact that it was a smell was like, wow, that is really interesting. So how could somebody start to identify and work through their triggers? Yeah. Um, I would say start by, you know, educating yourself on the symptoms of trauma first and see if there's anything there that you're experiencing. Um, I mean, it might be overwhelming to be like, oh my God, I have trauma in my life. And, you know, to feel the heaviness of that realization, but mm -hmm. it can also create this major sense of relief and being able to name what's happening to you. Cause you know, when we know what's happening, when we have a name for it, we can figure out how to address it. Um, and that can happen through like listening to a podcast like this, or, you know, reading books about that following, you know, credentialed people on social media who educate about these kinds of things. Um, I actually have a, a birth trauma 
freebie that I'm going to have available soon, which is basically like a, a checklist or like an informational guide on recognizing birth trauma and specific resources to help. Um, but when it comes to like identifying the things that trigger us and figuring out how to work through those, I usually look at a few things. Um, you know, we would look at what emotions come up when you think back on your birth experience. And when you do that, are there certain parts of that experience that tend to come up more in your thought process? Like, are there specific pieces that really stand out to you that hit you the hardest, that feel the most distressing? And when you go back to those specific pieces, what physical sensations are you experiencing in your body when you reflect on that, right? We look at all of these different impacts. And when we answer these questions, we can start to see patterns for what causes that reaction. Like, what is the trigger? Like identifying, oh, that smell is triggering me because it's making me think of this. And when I think of that, this is the emotion I feel. And this is what my body does. Mm. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So like when we can identify the specific people and places or situations that tend to elicit that trauma response, we'll be able to gain more insight about why we are feeling triggered by it. Yeah. I also remember a student telling me that she felt like she was continuously re-traumatizing herself by telling her birth story because everyone's like, oh, how was it? Tell me your story. And she said every mm -hmm. time she did, she thought it would start to get a little numb. She said, I kept re-traumatizing myself. So I stopped doing it. I stopped telling people. And I'm like, well, that that's smart. Um, so yeah. you started to share some things about the road to recovery therapy, um, identifying your triggers. Is there anything else that someone can start right away if they can't get into therapy that can start to help them recover from birth trauma? I would start with boundaries when people are asking you about certain things, right? So if you are aware of what your triggers are, kind of putting that boundary out there as a preventative measure. So I'm really excited for you to come over and visit me and the baby. Just so you know, I don't want to talk about these topics or I don't want to answer questions about these things, right? So kind of giving yourself a cushion from feeling triggered, not to avoid it, right? Like we always want to come back and address that at some point, but if you don't have access to that yet, mm -hmm. it's okay to set a boundary and say, no, I don't want to talk about this or no, I don't want to go to this baby's birthday party or whatever it may be. Um, I, I definitely would recommend talking to your provider. If you see an OBGYN, they might be able to give you some immediate resources um, the support groups on the PSI website are immediately available as well. And I, I want to say that they do not are that they're free. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. I love what you said about talking to the care provider. I had a student that we were talking about her birth. It was really unique and she had questions. And she and I talked about some of those things. I said, you need to set an appointment because most postpartum appointments you probably know are like super fast. And I said, you need to set an appointment and ask her to talk you through it. And she did. And then she had a whole appointment about it. She came back to postnatal yoga and she just she told me everything. And she felt so relieved because part of the trauma was the question, like, how did this happen? It's so confusing to me. So I think she felt a little bit more healed because I think she was filling in the gaps in her mind with something that was far worse. So she was like, took herself deeper in. And when she felt like her questions were answered, she felt like that really shined light on why things happened instead of right. just confusion. 
Right. And that, that brings up a really important point of, I mean, it doesn't have to feel comfortable. You don't have to feel comfortable, you know, telling your providers about it, but knowing that talking about it could give you some immediate support because unfortunately, a lot of these, you know, traumatic experiences might feel like routine care for providers because they see this all the time. Mm-hmm. And if if we don't let them know that it was traumatic for us, they might not realize it and they might not offer that support. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. So for someone that did experience birth trauma with their first, I think you and I kind of are raising your hands for that one. How do you suggest they prepare for a subsequent birth should they decide to have more children? I would say, you know, again, not to keep repeating myself, but like (laughs) talk to someone about it. You know, that can be with your provider in a support group, therapy. And this is really just to help us get to a place of being able to invite the idea of pregnancy and birth back into our lives without getting flooded by a trauma response, right? Pregnancy and birth do require some planning and it's really difficult to use our critical thinking and planning skills when we are feeling triggered and we're back in that fight, flight, freeze part of our brains every time we try to bring it up. So getting to a place of, like I said, not necessarily feeling okay with it or happy about it or comfortable with it, but getting to a place of feeling in control of your emotions, of your thoughts, so that you can get into the logistics of planning it. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. So um, when I, I'm sorry, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so when I did sit with my midwives, I had the same team the second time and I shared with her that I was, so my first birth was about 42 hours and I pushed for five. And so my pelvic floor and abs were just shot and I had months of physical therapy. And I just thought, how am I going to do that with two kids? And I was really scared. And so I brought that up to my midwife and we were able to talk it through. And I said, what am I going to do if my birth looks like my first? And she, she was really open. She's like, I don't know. Tell me what would you want to do? What could we do for you to help you through that? And I liked that. I love that she was opening it up not just saying, oh, it's not going to be that way. Of course it's not, you know, your second baby, babies are usually so quick. Yeah. Like, so how, how would they know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like we can't, we can't predict the future. I mean, statistically, second births are quicker, but but I'm so glad she didn't throw that at me. She asked me like, right. "How would you? How could we support you? What would you need to hear to help you through that?" And I loved that she validated it, and we got to talk about it. So I remember my answer. My answer is like, "I'm like, well, I guess I would just need everyone to remind me that I did it already, and I can do it again." And they'll be there to support me and, and I will eventually heal. Like I just needed, I needed her to give me, I guess like you just said, like the control, like not feel like my arms are in the air. I'm like, what do I do? Like she, she was giving me the control to say what might be supportive. Right. That would definitely, I think, be a part of, of this, this answer. Like how can we prepare is build a supportive birth team for yourself. I mean, you might want to find a new doctor or midwife who understands your trauma history and knows how to navigate that with you. Um, you might start working with a physical therapist, you know, yoga Definitely. teacher, a, yeah. a, you know, prenatal focused or postpartum focused chiropractor. 
Um, you might you, like benefit from working with a doula who can help you identify your birth preferences. Like what interventions are you comfortable with? What are the things you absolutely want to avoid? What things are you flexible with? Um, I, I, I really think that doulas in particular can be especially effective in helping you advocate for yourself during birth, like making sure that your preferences are being communicated to the rest of your birth team while you're doing that other big thing over there. So you don't have to worry <laughs> about the communication piece. Yes. I'm going to just second that. I was a doula for 10 years. I'm like, yes, the doula yeah. the doula the doula. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're totally covering it. Like the team makes a difference. And I've seen a lot of right. folks that come out of birth trauma and they're like, I cannot, because that could be a trigger. The same care provider could be a trigger for somebody. All right. Woo. All right. Before we move away. We're doing great. We're doing great. <laughs> so before we move away from the fantastic topic of, of birth trauma, is there anything I haven't asked or addressed that you want to talk about? Oh boy. And there's going to be no. I think we we went in. We went if in I there. think of something, I'll let you know. But right now, nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? We'll be right back. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. We're back. So you have many hats that you can share this from, from your therapist point of view, from a parent point of view. Where would you like to take this answer from? Um, can I do a little bit of both? Yes, you can. So one final tip, piece of advice. Um, I, I think I would want to give them a reminder more than a piece of advice. And I mean, that's just because we all have such wildly different experiences. I don't know that I can like confidently say, here's a tip that I think would help everyone. But I, I could give a reminder, you know, that whatever you experience in your transition to parenthood that is difficult, especially with birth trauma, remember to not blame yourself for it. Mm. I would say, remember to always speak up when you're struggling, always be honest about what you need help with. And again, to not blame yourself for struggling, to not blame yourself for needing help because becoming a parent is hard, regardless of what that experience looked like for you. It's hard. You deserve to be supported through it. And even though we can do it alone, we don't have to. And it's not a bad thing if we don't want to. That is great advice or, or support. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Where can Odd people advice. where can people find your work? Um, all of my information is on my website. Um, I've got you know my social media information on there. I have, um, like I mentioned earlier, some freebies and some resources on there that they can utilize. And just say your website uh, one more time. Sure, it's rtrcounseling.com. And of course, that will be in the show notes. 
Yeah. Kate, thank you so much. You made this pretty intense or important as well. Conversation, um, really approachable. So thank you for sharing all that you did. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me. Absolutely. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.